Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you folks on the screen there. Uh, some of you, I actually see you moving around, which is a great thing. And the rest of you folks, good to see each and every one. So uh, let's take a minute. Let's stretch and just loosen up just a little bit. Lift our hands to the good Lord. And the next thing that we need to do is pray uh, that the Holy Spirit would come on us. And he'd take the word off the page and put it on our hearts. So let's take a minute. Uh, let's pray, folks. <clears throat> Father, we just want to thank you for a brand new day. We thank you, Lord, for the uh, privilege of gathering as your children, Lord, from many different locations, but with one desire, Lord, and that would be to know you more and to serve you better. Uh, so, Lord, we thank you for Deuteronomy 30, and we're praying, uh, Holy Spirit, that as we would study this, that you could uh, speak to us directly, not just to our brains and intellect, but Lord, that you'd speak into our hearts, into our spirits. So I just pray, Lord, that you would underline uh, those portions of the scripture for each of us, uh, specifically that you want uh, to address to us. So Father, we thank you ahead of time for speaking and for touching our lives. And it's in your name we ask it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's jump on in. Deuteronomy 30. So it shall be when all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I've set before you line in all the nations where the Lord has you and Lord pay him with all your heart and soul, according to all that I command you today, you and your sons, then the Lord, your God, will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you. And we'll gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord, your God, has scattered you. If your outcasts are in the ends of the earth, from there the Lord, your God, will gather you. And from there he will bring you back. And the Lord, your God, will bring you <coughs> excuse me, into the land which your fathers possessed. And you shall possess it. And he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Moreover. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul in order that you may live. And the Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the Lord and observe all his commandments, which I command you today. Then. The Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand, in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your cattle, and in the produce of your ground. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, just as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, 
For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it? But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may observe it. See, I've set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land where you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth the witness against you today that I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him, for this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Amen. Amen. Okay. So as we're, we're jumping into Deuteronomy 30, uh, I have a question for you today. Okay. A question. And the question is this. Do you, and I can put me in that, so it's just not you or me, it's both of us. Do you want to experience an abundant life, a life that's satisfying, a life that's full, or would you prefer uh, a life of emptiness, frustration, and death? Okay, let me ask the question again. We have a choice. So do you want a full life, an abundant life, a life that that is full of things that are, are precious and that you can enjoy? Or do you want a life that's kind of just plain miserable and dismal? So that's a question. Another way of putting that is, do you want to experience God's blessing or do you want to have a cursed life? I mean, they, they kind of sound a kind of pretty, pretty goofy question. I mean, like who in the right mind wants to raise their hand to say, you know, Pastor John, I really want a miserable life. I don't think anybody on this screen is wired up to just say, I just want my life to be uh, an absolute loser and something that's unenjoyable. I think every one of us want to be able to have an abundant, a full, and a satisfying life. I believe everybody here. So I think what's important to understand is if that's your goal, and I think that's a great goal, I think we're created to have a full life, uh, a satisfying life. So if that be the case, we need to realize that God has clearly stated right here in this book, okay? God has clearly stated in his word how to experience to have a blessed life, 
he also tells us how curses can come upon us. It's right here in the book that we're going to look at today. God has clearly, I understand it, I, I see it, I hope you do as well. God is clearly showing us how specifically, practically, and experientially how to have that full life. Okay, so let's jump in. That's just like a little prelude here. So Deuteronomy 31, God speaks to the people. So it shall be when all of these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I've set before you. So God's saying there's going to come a point, he's writing to the Israelites then, but he says somewhere into the future, as you go through life, as you experience all the ups and the downs of life, as you go into the future, and at times you experience my blessing, and as you go into the future, on the other hand, you experience curses that I allow into your life. He says, when that happens, he says, then the next step, and you call them to mind. So if you, you look at Deuteronomy 28, God is very clearly in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, God said, if you do this, 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 you'll experience a blessing. God is also very clearly in Deuteronomy 28 said, if you do this, 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 on the flip side, you'll experience a cursed life. And I think what he's saying here, okay, Israelites, I'm talking to you now. As you go into the future, you're going to experience both blessing and cursing, depending on how you've lived your life. But there comes a point in the future, he says this, um, when you call them to mind in all the nations that the Lord your God has banished you. So we know very clearly the people of Judah disobeyed God. Okay, they went after other gods. They did not do what the Lord Jehovah asked them to do. And because they disobeyed God, they were literally deported and they went to Babylon. Okay? What they sowed, they began to reap. And the Lord's saying to them, when you're in Babylon, and it's a 70-year stretch, he says, when you're there, when you're beginning to experience the curses that I talked about in Deuteronomy 28, when you, in a sense, realize that you are just plain miserable and you're messed up and that you've sinned, when you're in Babylon and, and you're in the dumps and you're experiencing all the worst of life, then somehow a light bulb is going to go on and you're going to remember I've told you that if you do these things, you'll experience a curse. So once you remember what I've said, he said, as you said this, he says, when you call them to mind in all the nations, so when they're in Babylon, they say, oh, God, we've messed up. And it reminds me very much of the book of Judges, because the, the book of Judges, it, life gets bad. And when it gets bad, they call on God, and God brings them back. And then they wander again. And they go bad and they wake up and God blesses them again. 
So what the Lord is saying here in Babylon, when you're at the pits and the bottom of your life and life seems to be going nowhere and you're miserable and you remember what I've said here in Deuteronomy 30, when it says you call them to mind, he says then here, verse two, and you return to the Lord your God and you obey him with all your heart and soul according to all I command you today, you and your sons. So he's basically making a statement to the people of Judah. When you're in Babylon, life's falling apart. You're miserable. And you say, Lord, ah, why am I miserable? Good question. Because I've not done what the Lord's asked me to do. And therefore, you've said, I I've got to change my ways because I just can't keep going down the slide negatively. He says, when you return... And it, what's it mean to return to God? It means to obey him, to do what he's asked us to do. And he says, when you obey uh, with all your heart and with all your soul, he's saying, this is no shallow repentance. He's basically saying to the people that are going to be deported that are then uh, up there in Babylon, he says, when you truly repent and the word repent is a very strong word. It means to change your mind, your way of thinking. Uh, in the military, it's an about face. It means I'm marching this way, and then because I need to change, I turn around and I go the exact opposite direction. So the Lord's saying, when you deliberately acknowledge your sin, when you deliberately say, God, we've messed up and we're, we're experiencing the cursing, Lord, we're so sorry that we've disobeyed you and done our own deal. He says, when you turn back to your God, to your creator, to your savior, when you give him full obedience, he's going to say that the Lord's going to do something. So what makes me think right there, I have to ask myself, and I have to ask you folks as well, have we truly repented? Have we truly got to the point in our life where we said, Lord, I seek to give you my heart, my all, not part of it, the whole deal. Lord, I seek to obey you. When I open my eyes in the morning, I say, Lord, it's your day. It's not my day. Lord, I'm available to you. Whatever you ask me to do, by your grace, I will seek to obey it. That point of that was so driven home to me. I don't know if any of you had a chance to see the movie that came out uh, back around Easter time called His Only Son. Very, very powerful movie. And it was about Abraham uh, and his walk of faith, but also his walk of obedience. And it really just drove home uh, the, the full extent of obedience when Abraham was asked by God to slay his son. And the movie, you can see Abraham and he has this this knife and he's just about ready to put it into his son and the Lord says stop I see Abraham that you're willing to obey me to the full limit uh, and God richly blessed him because Abraham had got to that point and I think we can study these soaps day in and day out we can do Deuteronomy we're going to be doing Joshua we can just study this book inside out intellectually but the bottom line and here's the point i want to really drive home is 
it's not just an intellectual study. It gets to the bottom line where the tire meets the road is, am I indeed willing to do what the Lord asked me to do in the book? Am I willing to obey and do what God wants, or am I going to do what I want? That's the bottom line. It's a big deal to the Lord. When you look at the Bible, you look at the word obey or the word obedience, it comes over again and again and again and again and again. And God's not asking too much. If he's God, if we're the creature, and he asks us to do what he wants us to do, that's the right of the creator to do that. Unfortunately, human beings have a tendency to say, no, I don't want to do that. It's You see like a terrible two. Uh, these kids, yeah, do this. And, no, no, no. I want to do what I want to do. And they, we can have that attitude. So I think the Lord's saying right here, when you're miserable enough and you return and repent and say, God, we messed up. Sorry, God. I want to come back. I want to give you my full allegiance. Then the Lord makes this promise to those people in Judah. And by the way, he makes the same promise to you and I. Here's what he says. Verse 3. Then the Lord, your God, will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord, your God, has gathered you. If your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there, the Lord, your God, will gather you and from there, he will bring you back. And the Lord, God, will bring you back into the land which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it and he will prosper you and multiply you. Uh, more than your fathers. <laughs> so literally, that's what happened. <laughs> if we look at the book of Nehemiah, if we look at the book of Esther, <clears throat> the people do repent. They come back into the promised land, into Israel. God fulfilled his promise. By the way, I didn't even put this in the notes, but I just want you to know every promise that God Books in this book, God will follow through on. He is a faithful God. If he says something, he'll do it. But we need to realize that many of his promises have conditions to them. I promise to do this, but a condition is you need to do that many times. So God fulfills that. Uh, and it's very interesting, uh, this next verse. It's kind of, to me, the pivotal verse, I think, uh, of this chapter and pivotal in our entire lives. So look at what he says. Moreover, <clears throat> six, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, in order that you may live. So God's saying through Moses that God's going to do something. He's going to do a circumcision of the heart. And because he does that, he's going to change our heart. Uh, we have a, a tendency before we come to Christ to have a heart that's hardened, a heart that wants to do what it wants to do. And God says to circumcise it, he says, I'm going to do a deep work in this heart. I'm going to change your heart to such a degree that you're going to want to obey me. Folks, there's a big difference between I have to, I have to, oh man, I have to, to do this. I have to do this. God's on my case. I got to be obedient. I got to be a good person. Da, da, da. It's not a have to. God says, I'll touch your heart in such a way that you'll want to love me and you'll want to obey me. 
So I'm reading this, and I'm saying, okay, when did God pull that off? Or what's this, this idea about circumcision of heart? Now, there's a pivotal verse. You might write, uh, want to write it down. It's in Ezekiel, and it's chapter, uh, let me see here, 36. <clears throat> Ezekiel 36, 26. I think the Bible is so cool because it's like a jigsaw puzzle, and you have to know which piece fits where. And this verse literally fits directly, I think, with this idea of the circumcision of the heart. So in Deuteronomy 36, 26, the Lord says this, moreover, he sent again to the people of Israel, but not just to them, to Gentiles, to you and I, he's making this promise. Moreover, I will give you a new heart, i.e., I'm going to circumcise it, okay? Moreover, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you. And here it is. Cause you to walk in my statues. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So God says, I'm going to do a new deal. I'm literally taking out of your, your heart, that old heart, that stubborn heart, that obstinate heart. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to put a whole new heart in you. And Really, a whole new heart is saying, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit inside of you. And when my spirit gets inside of you, he says, what's going to happen? My spirit will cause you to want to walk in my statutes. So cool. So then I asked myself the question, okay, so when did this really happen? When did God give them a new heart? When did God put his spirit in them? Now you got to fast forward from the Old Testament into the New. You have to fast forward through Jesus' life. And at the very end of Jesus' life, before he basically takes off and goes back to heaven after his resurrection from the dead, uh, we see in John 20, 22, before Jesus goes, he's with his disciples. And he literally, we're told, he breathes upon those disciples. <clears throat> and as he breathes, he says this, receive my spirit. Receive my spirit. In a sense, he gives them a brand new heart. Another way of saying that is in John 3, he said, you will be born again. Okay? So, <clears throat> in life, the number one thing, there's only really two things you got to do journeying through here. Number one, be born again. Let God give you a brand new heart. Let him circumcise you so that you have a brand new spirit inside of you. And I think that's a good time to ask the question, are we sure all this that we're born again. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, knowing that he died for you in your place to deal with the sin issue, to deal with the guilt, the bondages, the emptiness. And we really can't have him as Savior unless we're willing to, to serve him as Lord. In other words, Lord, you did this for me. You died for me. The least I can do is live for you. Come in me. 
and I'll seek to follow you. When we truly say that we are, quote, born again, Ezekiel 36 becomes a reality where God says, I put a new spirit in you. Okay. But this is really important. <clears throat> this has me fired up. I've been talking about this to different people. A lot of Christians stop there. They're born again. They have a new heart, a new spirit, but they never experience the full and abundant and satisfying life that God promised. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is literally locked up on the inside. He's like, he literally, it's, he's like handcuffed. He's sitting in us. We're a new creature, but he has no freedom to move through us. So there has to come a point where we give the Holy Spirit the freedom and the liberty to be loosed, to give him the ability to walk through us and talk to us and talk through us to other people. And that actually occurred, we know, in the book of Acts. They were born again, but uh, it looks to me that just born again is not enough. If you look at Acts chapter 1, uh, <clears throat> Jesus said this in Acts 1.5. This is the disciples after he's resurrected, before he goes back to heaven, he said this, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They have been born again. He breathed on them, but he said after that, he also said, you need to be baptized in the Spirit means you need to be filled with the Spirit, means you get to the point where the Holy Spirit's not just sitting on the inside. You've given full control to the Spirit to work in you and to work through you. And he promised that. And then in Acts chapter two, basically at that point, it happens. Acts two, the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing on themselves and they rested on each one of them. Here's the verse. Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Key word, they were filled with the Spirit. There's a big difference between being born again and the Spirit sits in us, inactive, and a difference between we let the Holy Spirit free to do whatever he wants in our lives. That's the second thing. First thing, we need is to be born again, but we can't stop there. The second thing is that we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's literally a command. In Ephesians chapter 5, 18, uh, it says this, don't get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And what's interesting, the word there is in the present continuous tense, meaning be being filled every moment of your day every day of your life. In other words, the command is, Holy Spirit, have total liberty to work in and through my life every moment of every day. You've got me hook, line, and sinker. Have full control. If you go to the book of Galatians, it's very similar. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25, 
It says this, if we live by the Spirit, i.e. if we're born again, let us also walk by the Spirit. Interesting. Paul's saying, if you live by the Spirit, if you're born again, then let us walk by the Spirit. In other words, don't lock him away. Give him the ability to walk in and through your life. And guess what happens? When we give liberty to the Holy Spirit, then something happens in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, when the Spirit has control of our lives on a continuous basis, this is what you'll begin to experience. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and I'm going to just use the word supernatural because it makes sense. The Lord will give you supernatural love, supernatural joy, supernatural peace, supernatural patience, supernatural kindness, goodness, faithfulness, supernatural gentleness, and supernatural self-control. This is good stuff. That is for anybody. Anybody on the screen can be filled with the Spirit. And by the grace of God, stay filled by the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit has control of our lives as we walk through our day. So that's what I hear God saying as we flip back here to Deuteronomy. God's saying, basically, I'm going to circumcise your heart, and you're going to want to love the Lord your God, and you're going to want to love and serve him. But the Lord goes on a little further. Look at verse 8 and 9. And you shall again obey the Lord and observe all his commandments, which I command you today. Again, if we're obedient, then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand, and the offspring of your body, and the offspring of your cattle, and the produce of your ground. For the Lord your God will again rejoice over you for good, just as he rejoiced over your fathers. In other words, the Lord says, as you yield to me, as you obey me, as you allow my Holy Spirit loose in your life, he said, you will experience prosperity. What's prosperity? I mean, that that is a full, satisfying life. But it does not mean problem-free. So just get that very clear. I think we have to be very clear. God wants us to prosper, to have a full life. But that doesn't mean all your problems go away. You will still have problems. In fact, God uses problems to mold us and shape us more and more into the image of Jesus as we go through life. So they're not going to be removed, but you can have a full life. Verse 10, if you obey the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of this law, if you turn to the Lord your God, here it is, with all your heart and soul. Uh, he's saying again, everything hinges on this obedience deal. Obedience is not a secondary issue to the Lord in the Bible. It is front stage. It is big time. It's important to God that we would obey him. If you obey him, if you keep his statutes, if you turn to the Lord with all your heart and soul, and I think that's a question I got to ask myself and ask you, have we given God our all? God is asking not for a little chunk of our hearts. He wants all of our heart and our soul. Then he makes this little statement here, 11. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. 
It's not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it? But the word is very near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart that you may observe it. The Lord is saying, guess what? This is not hard to, to, to get my word. You, you don't have to go way up there. You don't have to trudge to the end of the earth. God's saying right here, the word is right here. It's as close as being in your hand. It's as close as being in your mouth. The Lord is saying, no, no, it's not hard. It's right here, Israelites. It's right in the book. You just have to open your eyes and read it. And after you read it, then you have to be able to put it into action. And then the Lord lays this out here. Big choice for us. See, I've set before you. He's saying that to the Israelites, folks. He's saying that to each and every one on the screen today. To any human being, whether the past, the present, or people that are going to come, God lays out this statement. See, I've set before you today life and us prosperity death, and adversity. God said, look, Israelites, people in 2023, I've told you if you want to have a full, abundant life, I showed you how to do it. Obey. He's also said, I've also showed you uh, that if you want to have death and adversity, I've also showed you how that's going to happen. Just blow me off. Do your own thing. Be selfish. And by the way, you're going to have death and adversity. He said, my job is to lay it out. It's now a choice. So that's a choice now for each and every one of us. What are we going to do with the book? What are we going to do with God? Are we going to choose to obey him? Or are we going to choose to disobey him? God says the ball is in our court. He said, I want to bless you. I want to have a full life, but I will not force you. I will not coerce you. I will not make you obey me. This is a choice you have to make. I've given you free will. Make a wise choice. We say that as parents to our kids. Make wise choices. God, the Father in heaven says, make wise choices, children. I'm telling you how to have a full life, how to prosper, but I can't force it. I need to lay out the guidelines. Verse 16. And then I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. That here it is, that you may live and multiply, that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you're entering to possess it. God says, I want to bless you. He's shouting it from this book to the Israelites. He's shouting it to today. I want you to experience my blessing. But you got to cooperate with me. I can't bless disobedience. I can't bless a uh, arrogance. I can't bless a, a prideful, hard heart. God says, please. He stands. It's even like Jesus in the New Testament. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice, opens the door, I come in. He didn't say, I'm going to kick the door in. I'm going to force the door. He says, I stand at the door and knock. God gives an invitation. He gives us free will. 
He says, hey, if you do this, I'm going to bless you. By the way, though, if you turn away, then you're going to experience a cursing in your life. It's there before them. It's there before us. So he goes a little further. Uh, verse 17, but if your heart turns away, you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I declared today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land where you're crossing in the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. And he's, God is literally, in a sense, to, he's almost begging them, choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Make right decisions. Choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. How are they going to get life? It's not overly complex. By loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him, for this is your life in the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So basically wrapping up, God's saying this. And there's there's really, God said, okay, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. God didn't say, I want partial obedience. He said, Respond with all of who you are. You shall love the Lord with all your heart. <clears throat> then there's one other uh, Old Testament scripture, Leviticus 19, 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And it's interesting. Jesus basically sums up the entire Old Testament, all the laws, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws, and God compacts them through Jesus and it says this in Matthew 22, 35, a lawyer came to Jesus and said this, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. Jesus himself said the entire Old Testament can be condensed into only two things God is. Not complex. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do this, Jesus said, you have literally done everything you need to do. So bottom line, as I'm wrapping up here, Christianity is not complicated. <clears throat> it's basically three things. Number one, before we can love God and love our neighbor, we first have to receive the love of God. It says this in 1 John chapter 4, 19, we love, quote unquote, God, because he first loved us. The whole Christian life starts with receiving the love of God. And God is pouring that love out on us, just like the sun is shining rays upon us. God poured out his love by sending his son into the world. Jesus poured out his love by coming and dying on a cross. The Holy Spirit pours out his love by staying with us in a world that is so corrupt and evil and mundane. The Bible is very clear. Receive the love of God. Soak in it. Just the way some people would go down to the ocean on a uh, summer day and you just see people laying out there on the beach and they're just soaking in the rays they're just 
soaking in the sun and get a tan. In a sense, we can get a God tan. We just have to soak and receive the love of God. And then the second thing is, when we really see the love of God, there's a knee-jerk reaction. I want to love God back because he loved me. When we know God's love revealed in Christ on the cross and his death, there will be a desire to love God back. It won't be a law. It won't be a rule. It'll be a knee-jerk. I want to love him. And I think, secondly, then God will put a knee-jerk reaction as, I got to pass that love on to other people. So if you break Christianity down to its roots, it's all love. Love is the very center of this universe. That's what makes it go round. Love. Receiving God's love. Loving him back. Loving others. Folks, that's all we need to do. And the, the Holy Spirit will allow that to become a reality. So I just really am praying that each of us can choose life. How do we choose life? We receive God's love. We love him with all our heart, our mind, and our soul. We pass our love on to others. And how do we do it? We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Give the Spirit freedom. Don't let him be locked up and cramped up inside. Let him have full sway, and you will have an abundant life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for Deuteronomy 30. Father, help us just not to read a book and put a check mark and say we've read Deuteronomy 30. Lord, help us to apply it. Help us to put it into action. Father, we thank you. You've given us a new heart as we've given our life to Christ. A heart, Lord, that we seek to obey you, not legalistically, not burdensome with a lot of burdens on us, Lord, but we, we love because we've been so blessed by you. So, Lord, just put your blessing on each of us. Help us, Lord, to share this amazing message uh, with those you bring before us. And we thank you, Lord, and we pray it in your strong name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. May you know the blessings of the Lord today. Go out and pass it on. See you soon.